The entire team at Emsolation want to acknowledge that we are gathered on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We want to recognise that we are recording and telling our stories on the stolen land of our country's first storytellers. We wish to pay our respects to all Wurundjeri elders and ancestors and to extend that respect to any First Nations peoples who listen to Emsolation. We recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's continued connection to the land and waters of this country and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be. All I know is you need gumboots. I'm out. And Michael Lucas. It's a total wizard's beard down there. You just need to be prepared. This is Emsolation. I think it's good you pulled it when you did. Well done. I I am editing that. You're in Emsolation. Well, hello there and welcome to Emsolation. My name is Em Rossiano. I'm a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian, a maximalist power queen, a neurodivergent magic brain and a podcaster. And together with my best friend since I was 11, screenwriter Michael Lucas, I bring you this podcast every week. How are you? Do you know what I was doing today? I found myself stalking bookshops because the hotly anticipated follow-up to The Fourth Wing I assume many of you have watched The Fourth Wing. I mean, sorry, I was just looking at something. <laughs> <laughs> Look through, pick my phone up and saw something. I've read The Fourth Wing, the sexy dragon academy YA, you know, novel. And you're aware that the sequel, Iron Flame, was released today. So I arrived at Westfield, I went to five bookshops and they said because it was a public holiday on Tuesday, our deliveries haven't come, so we're expecting the delivery person around one o'clock. I gave them all my phone number. I literally, the reason I got sidetracked there is because one of them just texted me saying the book has arrived. But it's okay, Marcella also texted me, which is why I got double distracted saying I've got it, I've grabbed two copies. But there's three of us. Why did she only get two books? <laughs> like... I'm going to be sitting there pacing while my children read. And it's not a small book. It's quite thick. Iron Flame, Rebecca Yaris. Oh, it's so horny. It's so dragon-filled. This book became my entire personality. It's not like, it's not, it's only like five on the smut meter, but there's lots of dragons. So anyway, that's what I'll be doing. I'm all consumed. I've got Barbara Streisand on the go. <laughs> I am Barbara. Oh, dear Lord. Much of this episode is Michael and I talking about Barbara Strassan's new audio book. Now, there was something that I've been watching all her pre-interviews and there was something that grabbed my attention. She realised that Siri said her name incorrectly and, my goodness, have a listen to what she did after that. Strassan, I said. My name is with a Z. It's Strassan like sand on the beach. Now, how simple can you get? Sand on the beach. Strassan. So anyway, you know, I decided, how do I change this? See, I like solving problems. I figured I'd better call Apple. I mean, the head of Apple, you know, Tim Cook. And he had Siri change the pronunciation of my name to be correct. I mean, is that, that's one perk of fame. <laughs> I love her. It's ridiculous. It's the most ridiculous thing. So there's plenty of Barbara chat. We also talk about Michael's uh, idea of us going to Glastonbury. Can you imagine how that fucking went down? 
long discussion around why he felt that would be a good idea. We also talk about the ADHD Senate inquiry recommendations have been handed down. Uh, Initially, I was happy and then I realised it was a big bunch of nothing and somehow we ended up in the dildo of consequence and all's well, it ends well and no one will be surprised. Hey, a, a really big thank you to What If, who I'm sure will be wrapped to be associated with the dildo of consequence. <laughs> no, seriously, I don't think I've given enough kudos, credit, thanks to them. They gave us a whole three-month sponsorship. They believe in Emsolation so much and they really are Aussie for travel. I did use What If to book my last big holiday and when they approached us, I'm like, you know what, I actually I love What If. So, yeah, I would love to. It's always helpful when you don't have to lie to your audience, isn't it? <laughs> Not that I ever do. So um, big ups to What If. Thank you very much. And I'm encouraging you all, go on their socials, use their app, just give them some love because, you know, we're just out here fighting for our life. So it's always nice. Oh, my God. Speaking of fighting for our life, come to our live show. Oh, speaking of live shows. Oh, God, I'm going on a tangent, Benjamin. (laughs) How do I put this? We are putting on a very special outdoor summer show in Melbourne and tickets are currently on sale for Emsolation Extra subscribers, it's a very intimate show. And when I say intimate, I mean 300 people. You get to drink wine from a glass. There's snacks. It's really civilised. It's like a mini day on the green with Emsolation. Now, the tickets are on sale right now. You get access to it until Monday and then the general public have at it on Wednesday. So if you are an Extra subscriber and you are free February 15th, the Malthouse Theatre Outdoor Summer Series. We'd love to have you with us. Ben will email you all the details so you have access to that pre-sale, which is happening right now. All right, that's quite enough from me. Enjoy our following offering. Michael was not in studio. We had we had so many problems with the technology today. I don't even know what you're going to get right now. Oh, <laughs> play the music. Emsolators, you're only a what-if away from creating the perfect holiday. And right now, Emsolation listeners can get 10% off selected hotels. Go to whatif.com forward slash listen for details. What if it's Aussie for travel. Hey, lovelies, just a special thanks to the now 3,582 people that help us deliver this podcast to you for free every Thursday by actually subscribing to our premium service, Emsolation Extra. They all have a personalised link to an upgraded podcast feed with access to exclusive content like two extra episodes every week, including the chance to ask Em and Michael anything every Friday. They also get merch discounts. Hot tip, new merch is coming involving catchphrases in a few weeks, plus access to ticket pre-sales and so much more. So if you want to help M keep this delightful little independent neurodivergent podcast alive, support us for less than $2 a week at msolation.supercast.com now. M. Luciano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Michael Lucas is here. Well, he's coming in via Zoom because, dear M. Salators... On his 45th birthday, he not only was informed he needed a hip replacement, he tested positive for COVID. <laughs> it's true. I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> it's 100% true. Yeah, 7am, tested positive for COVID. Mm. And then 4pm, telehealth appointment. Yeah, the x-rays have shown 
severe arthritis, you probably need a hip replacement. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday! Woohoo! And then to top it off, you went out and moved in with your mother. So what a day already. I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. That was the highlight. Hi, gay. <laughs> she had it too, I should just say. I know. Uh, and I moved out there in a caring capacity because if there, the silver lining is that, uh, again, I was very lucky. I had no real COVID symptoms. Just my fucking hip, hip was killing me. <laughs> oh, my God, you're so old. <laughs> so did you have a nice time with your mum? What were some of the highlights? What did you watch? Uh, we watched... We Mum likes medical dramas or crime dramas. So we did watch RFDS. We did all of the second season of RFDS because she loves Stephen Peacock and she loves Rob Collins, wow. loves the two of them yes. very much. Um, we watched a lot of documentaries. I pulled her onto that. Oh. Yeah. Which ones? Like Dark Emu. We watched the documentary about that. Wow. Remember the Dark Emu? Well, yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, and she just likes like ABC crime dramas where a feisty middle-aged or older woman solves crimes in a man's world, like a Vera <laughs> or an Annika. Amazing. We ate that. And every night she would offer me gin and I'm like, Mum, I've got COVID. I don't know. Wait, was your mum still having gin? She wasn't. She wasn't and she oh. kept on using that as the ultimate example. Without irony, if someone asked how she w- was, there were many symptoms she could use, like she could bring up, like overwhelming cold and flu symptoms. No, the biggest absolute lay down trump card was I haven't had a gin. In three days. <laughs> Good for her. I knew there'd be stories. Speaking of feisty middle-aged women, my name is Barbara. A nine hundred middle-aged is a bit of a compliment. <laughs> how dare you? How, how dare you, sir? She looks. Every time I see her, I think of the cowardly lion from The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I feel. <laughs> Yeah, there is something a bit lionish. She looks ama- I mean, she looks like she could star in the adaptation, like a, a, a live-action Lion King, um, a Sarabi or Mufasa. I do think of Mufasa when I see Barbara and I'm attracted to Mufasa. <laughs> so in a full circle moment. <laughs> is it the sort of regal quality she has or is it there just so much filler and Botox in this whole brow and no... Hey, you... <laughs> How dare you? My name is Barbara. 992 pages, 10 years in the making, 10 years. And as I listened to her explain to Hillary Clinton on Hillary's podcast, they had to rip it from my hands. I didn't even get to put the picture in of James's terrible haircut. She was still making edits after a decade. Yeah. Respect. Let's have a listen. Let's have a little listen to an excerpt from My Name is Barbara. Even after all these years, I'm still kind of hurt by the insults and can't quite believe the praise. I guess when you become famous, you become public property. You're an object to be examined, photographed, analyzed, dissected. And half the time, I don't recognize the person they portray. Good for her. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> oh, no. Michael is frozen on a very... Oh. <laughs> a very... <laughs> Michael, that Zoom has frozen and it is the most unfortunate thing I have ever seen. <laughs> and I thought he was pulling a face at Barbara. Wait. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Where's my camera? Oh, oh no! <laughs> I sh- 
Oh, God damn it. What happened? Your face was frozen in the most... I'll have to try and screenshot it. But I looked up for a moment and thought you were reacting to Barbara. And I was like, Jesus, that bitch has really turned. Okay, we'll pick it up again. Well, Michael, the pre-release press has really been delivering. Oh, hasn't she been on a tour? What's been your highlights? Oh, without question, she took down Gail King on a tour of her basement-level shopping mall. <laughs> oh, her basement-level shopping mall that she had to get the colour of the walls just right. Have a listen. I'm so finicky and when I love something, I don't care how much it costs. This yeah. room was, I painted it pale yellow, the colour of a butterscotch rose oh. and trimmed it with white and then I said, no, nope, it's not right. It has to be lavender. Wow. Okay? Yeah. Trimmed with gold. <laughs> <laughs> It's not right. (laughs) (laughs) And then when she's leading Gail through the underground shopping mall and when she walks into her vintage clothing room and Gail just even even Gail King, whose best friend is Oprah, who is around Mm. extraordinary wealth and how middle-aged women choose to spend that wealth, even when Barbara said (laughs) this is my vintage clothing room, Gail's like, of course it is. <laughs> if Gail King is judging you. <laughs> it was so good. I listened to the Hillary Clinton podcast and mm. it was one of those situations where I almost couldn't play it because it was like looking directly into the pop culture sun. <laughs> like it was just like I said to you, I don't know. It might be a bit overstimulating. And it really delivered the opening strains of Hillary just being like, I have to tell you, I have a big bone to pick. Uh-oh. I am so sleep deprived from reading this amazing, <laughs> incredible <laughs> memoir. Oh, I am. I, I literally I could not sleep. I kept saying to myself, OK, just half a chapter more. I'll get to right. one of the page right. breaks right. and then I'd get to the page break and I would keep going. <laughs> OK, Hillary. <laughs> Were you up all night reading the 1,000-page personal, like, dossier? Were you, though? I don't think Hillary read it. But did you, (laughs) were you across, first of all, let's just say, if you think that Britney Jane Spears has a vendetta against her mother, (laughs) it pales. (laughs) I didn't know how much Babs hated her mum. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I think that she waited until her mother died. So full credit for Brittany for getting the knives out while Lynn is still there <laughs> to absorb the stabbing. But I think Barbara, yeah, Barbara bided her time. And I do remember, because I have seen Barbara's 1994 concerts more than once. Hi, gay. And I do remember there were times when they would cut to Barbara's mother watching and she was a very small Jewish lady. And um, but she wasn't allowed to speak. Uh, but Barbara at that stage did not give any sense of the levels of recrimination that she was sitting. <laughs> Hillary, my mother was awful. She was jealous of me. Can you imagine? Jealous of her own child. And then, and then we discover that she was adopted essentially by Bill Clinton's mother. Yes, in her fifties. <laughs> Let's just make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> what was her name? What's Bill's mother's name? Oh, hang on a minute. Have you got it? Bill. Um, wait Clinton. a minute. It's a funny name. Mother. 
Virginia, Virginia Kelly. Virginia. She said, I called Virginia and I said, I'm coming back. I'm going to do Vegas. And she said, I, I have to be there both nights. My own mother didn't come to opening night, Hillary. Can you imagine? She said she had to go out with the girls. <laughs> and do you remember the picture of my, my mother and Virginia? I was the cheese in the middle. Virginia was clasping my hand. My mother, not even a touch. <laughs> I mean, the title of her autobiography could have been Raised by a Sociopath. <laughs> she really hated her. But I just love how we're reminded of her humble beginnings, as always. Well, yeah, we are. <laughs> I am also discovering that in terms of once you've come from Britney, Barbara, albeit that it was humble beginnings, does feel like a person who, yeah, sure, maybe didn't come into a wealthy family, but basically every single thing has gone right for her <laughs> since that time. <laughs> Crescendoing with her in this incredible Malibu mansion with everything a human being could possibly want. So I'm intrigued to see what the drama is that's going to keep us going for 1,000 pages. Well, look, my, my favourite story that has come forward so far is her talking about Marlon Brando. Have you got to that bit yet? Um, yes. I, I, I believe that's exactly right where I am. They knew each other when they were very young. They've been, they were lifelong friends. A year later, the two would meet again at a party hosted by Warren Beatty's girlfriend. After Brando told Streisand she looked bored, the pair went to another room and had a four-hour conversation. About three hours into the conversation, he looked into my eyes and said, I'd like to fuck you, Streisand writes. I was taken aback. That sounds awful, I said. <laughs> wow. I know. I am not up to that bit, but that's an amazing reveal because when she was a teenager, she went to see him in Guys and Dolls at the Louis King Theatre and she talked about that a lot. She, she, saw, she loved that she was so attracted to him, she did a double feature. <laughs> so go on, Barbara. I mean, not many people, you know, not many people. I mean, to put it mildly, you've watched a lot of Outlander, but you've never had one of the cast of that movie, that TV show sit in front of you and said, I would like to fuck you, except in your imagination. I would like to think that I would resist such temptation. I would like to think. I am married to my own version of Outlander, so it's fine. It's true. <laughs> For you, it wouldn't work because you'd need way more preparation than that. <laughs> I feel like the chances of you being ready to go in that scenario are slim. But How dare you? There was a time, there was a time where, you know, we'd fall asleep on the floor at a disco where we would hook up with a stranger regardless of the pubic hair region. I remember, <laughs> I remember I had a friend who she didn't want to sleep with anyone that night, so she deliberately didn't manicure her area and that was like the ch the chastity of pubic hair you know like it was like she was protecting the area with pubic hair so that she would not let anyone near it because she wanted to maintain chaste that evening I remember that but then I remember if you didn't shave your legs or your bits you would always meet someone that night so you had to kind of hedge your bets by keeping your hedge or not sorry I had to throw hedge in there again <laughs> the M. Rossiano version of this story is Marlon Brando going Amelia I would like to fuck you and you being like, it's a total wizard's beard down there. You just need to be prepared. I mean, I'll go there. You just need to be ready. Did you bring a weed whacker? <laughs> Anyone got some sharp scissors and, an, and, uh, and a fucking whacker? Why was going for compass? Why would someone need a compass to navigate my machine? I don't know. I literally said, anyone got a sharp scissors and a compass? What the fuck? 
or the vagways. <laughs> no, just hedge clippers. <laughs> Listen, it's not that bad. I feel like I've spoken so much about my bush that people must imagine, like, I have to walk around, legs just spread to accommodate this enormous hedge and it's not the case. I've overstated things. Oh, my God. In, except Scott has... Nah, that's taking it too far. I'm, I am... Yeah, I think it's good you pulled it when you did. Well done. I, Anyway, I just want to say it's out now. My name is Barbara. I don't know that I'm going to listen to it at all, to be honest. It's a lot. And can I say she has a particular tone when she reads and she loves a pregnant pause to the extent that when I pick it up and start listening again, I hit play and often I'm like, why isn't it playing? And I'll go, stop, stop. And then I realise, no, I'm just in one of Barbara's pauses. (laughs) (laughs) She really loves to milk a moment. And And I'm just going to say the editor, and I completely understand this position, has not been particularly strict with her, has not said, Barbara, do you need to go into quite so much detail about the coffee-flavoured ice cream with the cherry vanilla in the centre? Because I think you can just say I was eating ice cream. <laughs> Do you know whose story I want? I want the long-time, long-suffering assistant Renata's story. Oh, oh the Renata, yes. that. Oh, Renata. Renata got the call. That was like when basically when Barbara was going to hook up with James Brolin, she put a call through to Renata and said, Renata, make the house nice, then get out. (laughs) (laughs) What a call to get. (laughs) All right, moving on. Michael Lucas sent me a message I want you all to know and it said, bitch, Madonna, Dua, Coldplay at Glastonbury, is this our time? And... I didn't respond because I felt that was something we may need to discuss with microphones in front of us. <laughs> just talk me through. Just talk me through your thought process here. Just let me know. Just, I'm really interested. Let's 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 deep dive on this. <laughs> well, I, I want to preface this by saying Glastonbury has come out and said that was a false report, so <laughs> that's already poured water on it. But what did I think? Um, Well, I guess I just thought, you know, Glastonbury is something that neither you nor I have done. It feels like something you want to do once in your life. That's it. It's very bougie for middle-aged people. (laughs) Is it bougie? Oh, yeah. Like people pay to have like, they basically live in like, Oh yeah, I mean there are there are non bougie um, versions of it that you can do, but no, generally you basically uh, you can buy accommodation to live in some sort of pampered little area and then just go out and have a little look at. Elton John or whoever you're looking at and then wander back and have some rosé. I'm pretty sure. This is such bullshit. Yeah, I don't know. This I is don't... such bullshit. You have no idea what Glastonbury is. You are the opposite of somebody who understands Glastonbury. All I know is you need gumboots. I'm out. <laughs> no, but that's like the young 20-something people. Trust me, no, there are. There, there, there are absolutely bougie versions of it. There are. Like there are most festivals. I feel like. But you can tell that Glastonbury mm-hmm. now... Like the the days of it being like the big day out or a cutting edge festival. I mean, the headliners. If the headliners are Coldplay and Madonna, you know who they're targeting. It's not. It's not the youth um, festival that it once was. No, it's called. They're the Legacy Acts Festival. How insulting! Basically, they have an, an old person come out and do. They've had Guns and Roses. You know, every year they have someone kind of. Legacy acts, aka the acts that were huge when we were of an age. Mm, and mm. so that's what they're suggesting. I couldn't think of anything fucking worse 
than Glastonbury Music Festival. I couldn't. I would rather return to Palm Springs, shit my G-string, and climb in 48-degree <laughs> heat than go to Glastonbury Music Festival. When you sent that text, I snorted so hard I accidentally farted. Like, I have to tell you, it's like, does he even know me at all? Oh, <laughs> I could. You, what, you want me to fight for my life amongst people my children's age to what? <laughs> catch a 35 minute set and she'll probably be 25 minutes late, so we'll get five minutes. You really <laughs> want me to do that? And sleep in a tent? You can say the word glamping all you fucking want, but you are still sleeping <laughs> outdoors and you're still probably digging a hole for a toilet. And may I remind you? <laughs> of the year eight Eltham College fucking wilderness camp when they dropped us in the middle of the fucking Grampians with a shovel and a compass, again with the compass, <laughs> and I got such bad gastro I couldn't dig the holes fast enough for either end. Oh. Mummy doesn't camp. <laughs> so, Look, so how? In my defence... I was referring to the Glastonbury VIP camping, which they allege feels like a five-star hotel. <laughs> it's a luxurious experience that will make you completely forget that you're camping in a big field around 200,000. Is there a flashing toilet in my tent? Is there a flash? Is there plumbing in my tent? There's, there's, there's a pamper area and a fully functional salon. Um <laughs> Where am I shitting? This is my primary concern. As a nearly 45-year-old person, where am I shitting? Not that I well, shit outside just... of my house, but what if I needed to? <laughs> Our classic room starts at just 2,500 pounds. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What? I mean, that is frankly what I was imagining. <laughs> Um, I have not got intel on where the toilet is. Oh, here we go. I'm just going to click on rooms. Okay. Let's see. Well, at least they're reasonably priced the for paying room. somebody to sleep outside. Fucking take my 4,000 Australian. Yeah. Look, I mean, there's all sorts of things. Like, you, I think. Yeah, no, this is really looking promising for you. <laughs> I don't think what you don't, what you don't want is a traditional ethnic yurt. <laughs> <laughs> the word yurt makes me think of, um, like, uh, thrush, yeast infections, yurt. Oh, she's got a terrible yurt. Okay. Something about that word. <laughs> um, oh, you can get a railway carriage, a safari tent. Oh, it's th- it's not happening. Okay, Fuck all right, off. sure. Unless it comes okay, with an I'll actual lion. Unless M- M- Mufasa is in there. God, so much Mufasa today. Really, really hitting back on that Mufasa. Uh, yeah, so Glastonbury's not happening. Emsolators, if you were anywhere near my socials last week, you would have seen my eldest, Chella, and I living our best Bundy Babs life. And even though it was a work trip, it reminded me about the great Aussie tradition of summer holidays. Thankfully, you're only a what-if away from your own ice-cream-filled, barbecue-scented, hot-chips-on-the-beach-style getaway this sunny season. Naturally, Santa hats are optional, but also encouraged. Plus, what-if's flexible booking options means you can book with confidence. There's even a book-now-pay-later-at-selected-hotels option, so you can relax and pay on arrival. Plus, lots of hotels are also fully refundable. Just make sure you check the booking cancellation windows. So keep the tradition alive. Book your extended summer holiday or a bunch of beautiful short stays on the What If app now. What If? It's Aussie for travel.
Hey, look, got to say thanks to each and every one of the 3,582 people who are spending some of their hard-earned cash to subscribe to our premium service, Emsolation Extra. The only way we're able to keep this Thursday episode free for the over 65,000 people who listen each month is because of you. Your commitment to us helps Em pay the rent and the wages of almost all of our staff. And I'll throw in a side note that Em and Michael have never, ever been paid for being on this podcast. I wish I could name check all 3,582 of you individually so you understand just how important you actually are to all of us. Obviously, if you aren't a member of our premium service yet, let me take you through everything you get for less than $2 a week on our yearly plan. You get two bonus episodes every week, including one where you get to ask Em and Michael anything every Friday, and another every Tuesday. So far, there's 53 episodes that you haven't even heard yet that cover everything from in conversations with inspiring and wonderful people to love nundrums and the marriage diaries, right through to Em just telling you stuff that she would never put out for the general public to hear. You also get access to close friends on Instagram, pre-sale tickets to our shows, discount merch, and so much more. Yearly, it's $1.72 a week. Monthly, it's $2.49 a week. It's also the perfect Christmas or birthday present too. So if you can, we'd love you to come join the 3,582 bloody legends that lean in and help this little podcast survive. Head to msolation.supercast.com to be a part of our premium service and start enjoying the perks today. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is Emsolation. The ADHD inquiry report is in, Michael Lucas. Yes. Some may recall that I testified, testified at the Senate inquiry. Is it test- yeah. Did I testify? Is that what it's called? I don't know, but I sincerely hope that when you delivered your address, someone said, testify. They did not. They came back with the following recommendations. A national framework for ADHD. I don't really know what that means. It seems pretty wishy-washy. They've just used the word framework. I don't, I don't understand. It sounds like something you would see in an Excel document. Yeah. yeah. A neurodiversity affirming public health campaign. Again. What do you mean? You're just going to get out there and go, ADHD, fuck yeah. Woo! Brought to you by the Labor Government Australia. Like, is that? <laughs> is that? A review of Medicare, expanded yeah. support, reduced wait times. Great. Good. Mm-hmm. A national consistency for medication across states. Great. Increased training in education in the workplace. That was pretty much it. You know, they're like, oh, what can we do to help you? And we're all like, the number one thing is maybe you could recognise ADHD as a primary disability so we could get much-needed therapies, you know, at a reduced cost. Ha <laughs> ha. Nah. Nah. They're not interested in that. There is no government recommendation around the NDIS acknowledging ADHD as a primary disability. They just flat out did not even mention it. No Minister for Disability to coordinate the response. They're going to have a task force. God, Michael, task force. Mm. Yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah. Not made up of people with ADHD though. Oh, Oh, really? (laughs) They'll be in consultation with us apparently. Oh. (laughs) Because you sounded quite positive that night of. Yeah, then I went and read some more. And you read, and you thought, this is lip service. This is all bullshit. Is that what you were thinking? Yeah, it feels it feels pretty weak and easy and top line. And by the way, these are just recommendations. Now the hard work actually begins. We have to actually get them to agree to covering this financially. This isn't like a, this is what's being legislated. No, no, this was just the recommendations on what should be legislated. So, like, it's, it's, there's still so long to go. 
But there was one small petty win for me in particular. Yeah. You may, you may remember, well, you do know, I called them out on the way they were gathering the information. I, I called them ableist. Asking people who are naturally low on dopamine with executive function issues to fill in a multi-stage website, follow complex audit instructions and condense what it's like being an ADHDer to a few paragraphs is to put it very mildly, not the best way to gather information from us. In fact, it's ableist. So 9.4 in the committee view and recommendations is as follows. The committee acknowledges that the current process and systems available to members of the community wishing to provide evidence to a Senate committee may not meet the access needs of people with ADHD. During this inquiry, the committee took steps to improve processes in order to meet these needs. However, we are aware that despite our best efforts, barriers remained. The committee apologises for the frustration caused and commits to working with the Department of Parliamentary Services to improve accessibility of committee systems and processes. So, like the world's worst apology, like a real housewife was apologising for saying something. (laughs) It does. It does sound like a bit, I'm sorry that you were upset. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry if what I did. No, but, you know, that's a win. (laughs) Such a piss-weak apology. Heaps people send it to me. And I'm like, yeah, it looks like Lisa Rinna saying sorry to Kyle about saying something about her fake tan. Like, I'm sorry. Just own it, okay? Own it. But there's a tiny little minuscule win in terms of all of that stuff. And I just, I just, uh, it gets so overwhelming. The fucking medical misogyny that exists just in this country alone. You do not understand. And if if men were experiencing a shortage in vital hormones, vital neuromedication, like it just wouldn't how this has been allowed to happen is beyond me. But even just in terms of having ADHD and the scarcity around our medication, there is no other disorder, disease, anything that requires medication that I can think of where you are constantly under threat of your medication being taken off you, not having access to it. Like, it's actually wild that it's allowed. It's just insane. And there was nothing addressed around that either. So we still have such a long way to go. <laughs> I'm fine, guys. <laughs> so you, so basically from, from the initial response of we've had some real wins here, there's some progress, now we're pretty much at this is a nothing burger. I'm pissed off. The wins... Um, they look good on paper, so it was a smart PR move. You know, the big, the use of the word framework makes you think they're mm. going to build a kind house around the neurodivergent folk and we're going to make sure things are better. But the fact that they're not giving any extra funding to schools or workplaces to help them cater and help and improve the lives of their neurodivergent students is shit. So many teachers came forward and said, we are drowning here. We, we, we are failing these kids. We know we are. We need proper training. We need more supports. If they could get that into primary school level, then these kids aren't going through undiagnosed and unsupported. There's just some things that's like you all just kind of, yeah, it's a very surfacy. It's nobody's. There's no deep penetration. But my favourite saying is <laughs> the dildo... <laughs> Of consequence, rarely arrives lubed. And <laughs> they will find out in about 15 to 20 what not funding schools. I don't know if that analogy works, but I really okay, love that saying. Metaphor. 
That was so confusing because I thought I thought that the, this like these recommendations were the dildo of which you speak, and I'm like, no, isn't this more you were hoping for a dildo? But in the end, you got like the equivalent of like some like a jelly bean. Hey, but um, the dildo of consequence, the dildo is going to happen. Yeah, is if the everything goes un if nothing changes? Yes. Then the ensuing nightmare of yeah. of the ADHD crisis yeah. in this country will become an enormous and very unlubed. <laughs> what a pity that you didn't say that. I wish Senate. I had have so closed the-, the Senate inquiry on, well, if you don't take up these recommendations, let me say to you all, the dildo of consequence rarely arrives lubed. Thank you, Your Honour. I rest my case. <laughs> Not my saying. I've read it many times. It's just one that's stuck in my... Like, it's up there with laughter through tears, my favourite emotion. It's up there with one of my favourite all-time quotes and I wish I could find out. Could we find out who said that? Ben, if we could just... I really feel like the dildo of consequence really arrives lubed. I just want to pay them credit. Poor Ben's search history. (laughs) It's such a good one. I wish you put it, like, cross-stitched it and put it, like, in a frame hanging over the door when people <laughs> enter down the hill studios. That's what we're going to call this week's episode. So no no, no one to attribute it to? No, it doesn't look like wow. it. Wow. How convenient. Oh, well. It's Can a great one. Can buy it one. on a red bubble T-shirt, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael Lucas, I wish you a speedy recovery. You're still testing positive, so... Off you go. I I think it's got to be done today. All right, thank you. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. This is Emsolation. All right, gang, thank you so much for listening. I'm off now to do some Iron Flame. Sexy dragons. The dragons. No, the dragons aren't sexy. The people, that the teenagers that ride them. Nope, that sentence just got worse. Um, (laughs) Anyway, have a great weekend or week ahead. Subscribe to Emsolation Extra. Come to our live show in Sydney. Come to our live show in Melbourne. Look at all the things we have going on. We've got probably some Christmas merch coming out, do we? Are you working on yeah, merch? Yeah. Benjamin's working on things. It's all happening here. Yeah. Thanks. Yes. Catchphrases. Ah. Look out. Great. Great. That's what we need. We need to have a permanent record of the shit that comes out my mouth. <laughs> Bye. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. And we want to remind you that you can help this little podcasting safe space stay alive for all of us by subscribing to our premium service, Emsolation Extra. You'll get two exclusive bonus episodes every week, including the chance to ask Emma and Michael anything, plus access to Instagram close friends, ticket pre-sales, and there's actually a ticket pre-sale happening as we talk. Uh, Also merch discounts, more merch coming soon, and so much more. You can help give this independent neurodivergent-led podcast to more people by supporting us for less than $2 a week on our yearly plan or less than $2.50 a week on our monthly plan. Get amongst it now at msolation.supercast.com. Emsolation with M. Rossiano is recorded at Down the Hill Studios, hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley, produced by M. Rossiano. It's edited by Ezekiel Fenn with videos by James Henderson. Socials by Benjamin Wosley, M. Rossiano and Marcella Rossiano-Barrow with assistance from Jem Evans and Georgia Watts. Get more Emsolation by following us on Instagram at the Emsolation Podcast. You can also sign up for our weekly newsletter and join other Emsolators at the Emsolation group on Facebook. The answer is Madonna or Beyonce, Harry Styles. Now please share this podcast with a friend, give us a five-star rating and make sure you're following us by hitting the follow button on your favourite podcast app. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode and we can't wait to chat with you again soon. <laughs>